ever tiptoed beyond the climbing space, you will find a lot of information about building muscle. What to eat, how to lift, people telling you that cardio will kill your gains. So in this week's episode, we're sharing four things we want you to understand when it comes to building muscle as a rock climber. Grab your protein shake and buckle up. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. in blankets right now. <laughs> <laughs> we both I'm sitting in a pillow fort basically yeah. with a blanket. And it's uh it's a snow day here in Santa Fe. It's been snowing for three days straight. Uh yeah. You guys are really blowing my whole not skiing go bouldering thing right now because <laughs> I'm just looking at the snow like what have I done? Yeah like this is a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> I should be skiing. <laughs> but I'm not so, so it way, goes. way she goes, I guess. Well, <laughs> Caitlin, are you ready for a fun, fun fact? I am always ready for fun facts, but fun, fun facts? Sign me up. Let's this hear it. This one's pretty fun because this I would never expect. So, okay. Actually, I'm going to have you take a guess at this. Okay. Who do you think was the first nation to wear camo as part of their military dress? Oh my god, I have no idea. Like, who would you, like, by cultural obviousness, who do you think it would be? I, I wow. What nation still wears it like it's fine? I mean, the, the ours. U- the yeah, United it was like States. the USA wears it as a fashion statement, which yeah, is it's, weird. it's not us. The answer is, we didn't start this, which I think is shocking. Okay, I'm I'm actually not surprised. I, if I had to guess, I would say that like anywhere but here created yeah. this concept. I mean, that's why it's a fun fact. It okay. wouldn't be interesting. Okay, <laughs> if it, surprised if it us. was us, it wouldn't be that interesting. <laughs> no, it was the French. Are you kidding me? Isn't that shocking? What do they have to camouflage with? Oh, well, let me tell you. So <laughs> in 1915, the French army became the first to create a dedicated camouflage unit. And the word camouflage came from the French verb meaning to make up for the stage, which I think is so funny. Oh, my God. Um, that's so... The word is camoufleur. Wow. My French accent's really bad because I haven't taken any French. I but feel like, though, if you were to ask me, like, what camouflage sounds like, I probably would have said French. So... Yeah. It seems... That's true. It has, like, maybe obvious. an abundance of vowels in yeah. it. <laughs> so. And has a zhuzh in it. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. You really, I wouldn't oh have pegged God. the French as the ones making up camo as a thing, but no, we've really taken it and run with it, though. What's new? Yep. We Indeed. just bastardize everything. Well, I wanted to bring up another Parisian fun mm-hmm. fact because... <laughs> We have an apology <laughs> to issue. Um, specifically to Emily in Paris as a whole, but also its fans. Yeah, we have to walk back our stance on not liking it, and I will credit Caitlin with this. So I forget what happened, but the other day, where was I? What were so you doing? Oh, I, I know what happened. was tragically home dealing with a sick dog, 
and While everyone else was bouldering. Yeah, everyone else got to go have a really fun time, and I was just sitting here like, oh my, God, my dog is sick, and also I'm not bouldering, so that was a fun time. But I was like, you know what? Let's give her a rip. I need something really stupid and dumb, so I'm just going to turn on Emily in Paris episode four. And wow, did they have a glow up after episode? I don't know what three. it was, but yeah. episode four on got like a lot better. And yeah. like the cringe was more fun after that. So net net, we're already into season two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we like it now. And I see why people like it because I also like it. Um, and yeah, wow, what a dumpster fire this show really is. Um, yeah, I, I can't stop watching it, which is also kind of a shock to me where I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, it's I would say it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, the boys in the house have been yeah, watching we all it watch as it well. together, and Mike asks for updates if he misses an episode. Yeah, he's like, what so. happened? And we're like, oh, oh, oh my God, you missed so much. Happened. Every episode is ridiculous. But So anyways, we're sorry. We're sorry. We we recant what we said. <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're in it now too with you. So onward right on. and upward, Emily in Paris. <laughs> uh, what a... What a thing. Um, speaking, actually, on a totally unrelated note, well, we should probably introduce ourselves first. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. I'm Lauren. I'm a certified personal trainer and climbing coach, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Caitlin. I'm Caitlin, and I am a certified nutrition specialist, and we're here and, with yeah. you. If we're you stumbled into our podcast, welcome. Yeah. And apologies in advance. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> um, we always like to do some shenaniganing at the beginning of this to remind you that we are human beings <laughs> before we're rock climbers. We we also... I, I <laughs> We also like to chat. We, we were <laughs> chit-chatty, but also I've spoken to a few of you recently who reached out to... <laughs> you you were interested in becoming a client so we had a clarity call this actually happened with three different people and they go oh I love your podcast and I go oh you know thanks like we have a lot of fun we're always like kind of worried that people like think it's weird and they go oh no it's weird and I'm like oh god and then they go but in a good way, and it takes a little bit to get used to your weirdness. And I'm like, oh, okay. only one girl said that, though. Yeah, yeah, only no. one person. Yeah, so, but, so I don't know. You but people keep saying they like it, so so this is so the flavor gonna you're going to continue to get. Ourselves, welcome. It's all about being yourself. So, okay, <laughs> so fun stuff are going on going on here over in the Caitlin Lauren Average Climber universe. Um, one one of the things that is going on is that we have our group program breakthrough reopening in February and we're so excited um so going forward as we get pumped for this program to reopen um enrollment opens on January 27th of 2023 for the next round so stay tuned for that but we are going to be reading a testimonial from past breakthrough athletes yes. um each week so yeah. Caitlin would you care to read this week's testimonial. Yes, I would love to. So as Lauren mentioned, this is going to be coming up for the fourth time fourth now. Fourth round. Big four. But we, back in uh, the spring of 2021 now, which is bonkers to yeah. me, that was round one. We had a grad from that very first round of Breakthrough, Demetrius, and he said... 
This was my first time doing any kind of training program. The group aspect was great. It kept me motivated, making it easier to train and stay psyched. On the training side, I've seen a big improvement in technique and climbing strength, and I've been able to take problems where every move felt impossible down to where one or two moves feel impossible. On the nutrition side, I have a healthier relationship with food. Right on. Yep. Big fun. Big fun. Demetrius was one of my Salt Lake buddies, so it's an interesting experience as a coach to be like, Oh, I'm writing you a really hard endurance workout, but then it's a whole new vibe to walk in on one of your athletes, like doing it and huffing and puffing. And I was like, sorry, Sorry. (laughs) but Demetrius was a good sport. And I was like, hi, looks like you're out of breath. Good job. So keep it up. (laughs) Keep it up. Good work. So we're very excited for Breakthrough to come back. And there are more details in the show notes if you want to learn more about it. That's that's enough hoopla about that. I'm excited to bring you to today's topic, which is four things we wish you knew about building muscle. And this is a great topic because obviously building muscle, getting stronger, all these things, like many things in life, it takes a combination of good training and quality nutrition to make them happen. So Caitlin and I will be sharing a couple of things from each of our perspectives about muscle gain aka hypertrophy that's all hypertrophy means is building muscle so keyword for today them's gains them's gains with a z gains (laughs) all right caitlin do you want to kick us off with your first thing yeah sure can so as we've talked about building muscle we've had this discussion quite a bit on this podcast because here we are, you know, talking about getting better at climbing. And one of the ways that that can happen is through nutrition to help support your muscles. So one thing that I find that I I really like people to understand about building muscle and that many of us do not, or the internet kind of donks up, (laughs) is that when you start to train and you start to build muscle mass, And this can be, you know, not in the form of these big old muscle groups, but all the small pieces of muscle throughout our bodies. It is important to remember that you might gain some weight when you start training. And I think a lot of people when they start training are like, oh my God, my weight is trending upward. And I try to reflect back and say, okay, well, like, let's, you know, look look at your diet, see what's going on take just a couple days to review and I would say probably nine out of ten times it's not because someone is you know eating too much of a surplus or they're messing something up in their nutrition in all reality when you are trying to build muscle it's not coming out of thin air you're gonna be gaining muscle that's kind of just the law of energy as it were so What, okay, in athletes that you've worked with, like, let's say you start working with them on nutrition while they're on a training plan, what's a normal, that's a loaded question, but, like, what's, like, a general range of, like, weight that you might see people put on from muscle Yeah, without necessarily, like, participating in a training regimen that's Mm -hmm. aimed at hypertrophy? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good question because I think setting expectations – knowing that you might actually gain weight is pretty important. Mm -hmm. And it really depends. It depends on 
your training. It depends on also your training status, how what your training age is. And if your goal is hypertrophy, then you want to make sure that you are supporting that initiative. You need to be consuming, you know, more energy to make this happen. And I would say it really, it really, really depends. I've seen people, you know, put on maybe a pound to, you know, 10, 15 pounds. And yeah. it, it just depends, I think, on who you are as a person genetically, you know, what your diet looks like and also how well your body is responding to training. You know, if you've been training for 10 years, maybe you aren't going to respond as quickly versus if you're very new to training, those initial gains might happen more quickly, but it just, it varies kind of wildly. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. And I also think, you know, like Caitlin kind of mentioned, I think it seems like genetics definitely play a role in how easily Mm -hmm. or not easily people are want to build yes. muscle. Another question I have for you kind of on the same realm of when people start training and they see the scale trending upwards. I've heard that sometimes the stress of training can cause our bodies to retain water so that we kind of mm-hmm. see like water weight increases too. Yep. Can you speak on that a little <laughs> bit cuz that's always intre- I'm like, "Oh yeah, I trained yesterday and now my body seems all like puffy and weird." <laughs> Yeah, it well, so think about when you train really hard. If you're you may be sore the next day, you may not be, but hopefully you aren't. Yeah, hopefully you aren't. (laughs) But if you are, generally that means that because you've been, you know, you you worked out your muscle, you you tore muscle fibers, and your body responds to that by bringing these anti inflammatory components to that, that site of. I don't know, muscle tear, so right. to speak. Sight of muscle damage. Whatever. Yeah, the damage is done and your body is taking care of it. But it is it is a stressor, so your body is trying to handle it like it would, you know, any type of inflammation. And that could just be from, uh, you know, an injury or it could be from an illness or, you know, something like that. But when we are tearing muscle fibers and that's you know, how we are building muscle, it's, it is part of the process for your body to start to help with that inflammatory response. So by nature of doing that, it'll then also bring some fluids there. Is it because, okay, so to get in the, this is, I'm dumbing this down for both me and you, but also <laughs> it's the end of the day and I'm, my tummy's full of mac and cheese. So <laughs> here we are. Yeah. But so do we retain so water i would imagine is what is transporting a lot of these Mm -hmm. beneficial anti-inflammatory things things (laughs) thingies thingies we have in our bloodstream so we're retaining water because water is like the transport mechanism required to get helpful things where they need to go yeah essentially exactly yeah and so like good thing yeah and our body's like hey i needed that to get stuff to places I actually had a client a couple, maybe it was last week even, and I was talking to her about increasing her fluid intake, and I was like, okay, let me put it to you this way. In order to recover, if you are dehydrated and you've under-consumed fluids, your body is not going to be able to deliver those anti-inflammatory recovery nutrients to that site of injury. And that is because your blood might be thicker, more viscous. So it's going to move a little slower. So drink your water. 
Oh, that makes I think it's so helpful to know the why behind these things because yep. it's always like yeah 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 drink water whatever but it's like yeah. it's like why well, do I need to learn down the geometry game? in yeah. tenth grade? Oh well, there's reasons. So yep. yeah, because reasons. Because reasons and thingies. But I will say one other thing about this point that I really do wish people understood more, and that is. We talk about weight gain, we talk about muscle gain, but it is also super, super duper normal to put on fat mass while you're simultaneously gaining muscle. Why is it like that? <laughs> why it be everyone what it is do? Like, why why though? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a biologically helpful reason why our bodies automatically do this, but I don't know what it is <laughs> well so. to put it plainly it's I mean when so we, I've already mentioned if you're trying to put on muscle generally you want to be in a surplus and that is something that I will also talk about in a little bit but when you are in a surplus even though you're you know, your total calorie intake for the day is really important. And while you might be increasing protein to help support your muscles, just that increase in calories can contribute to fat mass gains Mm -hmm. as well. Now, that doesn't mean that you're hurting your body fat percentage because while you're putting on muscle, if you're, you know, putting on fat mass at the same time, you can still be improving that, you know, body composition as well. But Everybody is super different and responds differently to not only that training, but also the, the surplus and calories too. But I always try to just emphasize that because I don't want people to be like, I'm doing all the things and, you know, my, my body fat percentage has gone up if they do, you know, a scan six months later. And it's important to just set that expectation to understand, okay, I'm training. My goal is to build muscle hypertrophy and I'm supporting that through my diet. And that might look like muscle gain and fat gain. For some people, it might look like muscle gain and fat loss or maintenance, but there's really no, you know, correct way. It's just how your body is. Right. And then I guess I want to chime in here too, because you might be going, yeah, oh no, if I'm training, does that mean that my goal should be to put on muscle it really depends on Hmm. who you are and where you're at in your climbing I would say for my athletes so we'll kind of get into this with my um topic too but with my athletes usually my primary goal is to make you stronger and better at climbing and oftentimes putting on muscle will be a side effect of participating in enough training to get you stronger because sometimes getting we'll get into it but sometimes getting stronger also means putting on muscle and sometimes it just means making the muscle you already have better at doing stuff (laughs) if you will better muscly better (laughs) doing more but so I think if you're worried if you're like oh does this mean I have to be trying to put on muscle not necessarily but you you might um I would say I have never in my years of climbing training, I never had the goal of my training to put on muscle, but I absolutely have. Yeah. It's just, it really depends on where you're at. But I think like mm-hmm. the main thing is you just want to make sure that to Caitlin's point always is that you don't, you want to make sure you're eating enough to support the training that you're doing and proper nutrition and a well done training plan could result in putting on muscle. And for some athletes, like there are some athletes where I'm like, yep, I want more 
muscle on your shoulder girdle because like I just do shoulder girdle yeah like we need just more more there to keep the things in place but you know what I I don't know so that's kind of yeah do you ever find that with your athletes like you have people saying oh well my goal isn't to gain muscle and you go well like how is that a common thing or do people come to you already aware that that's part of you know, what they're getting. I would say most athletes are typically pretty excited about gaining muscle. I, I want to say that it seems to me like the era of being as absolutely tiny as possible to get better at climbing is like, Oh, sort of on its way yeah, out that's because so 2011 yeah it's over it's, it's done over. it's dying it no longer but is, <laughs> it was yes so I think a lot of people are coming to the realization or at mm-hmm. least people that work with me are sort of coming to the realization that putting on muscle often means that you get to be stronger and that's Weird. the whole point <laughs> so I think a lot of people are kind of getting there so I don't typically get that concern I have had some and I will say I have had some men or some athletes that, you know, and I think some athletes know they're like, I put on muscle really, really mm-hmm. easily. Like you probably know a few people like that where yeah. they're like, I can look at a dumbbell and put on 20 pounds. <laughs> and my eyes start getting biceps. Yeah. Right. So I think for those athletes, I will be maybe more cognizant about what we do, especially if they already, if I can already tell they have a high muscle mass. And usually with those athletes, like the strength is not our primary focus and of course I'm generalizing here but mainly people I've worked with haven't been overly concerned with that which is cool yeah that that is nice to hear actually I don't feel like I've heard in a long time either that people don't want muscle usually they're coming to me because they're like I want to support my training and make sure I'm you know getting what I need I'm like great love to hear it here's what we're gonna do so that's good yeah usually we're doing stuff and then they'll be like hey Lauren like this is getting better also notice that my back muscles are popping and I'm like they sure fucking are yeah and we're all just like (laughs) cool (laughs) that was like oh no I have to buy new shirts because my back is ripped time to throw out another $60 sports bra oh my god the number I have donated this year is shocking it's actually like it's rude it is rude i'm happy i'm strong but i'm also like man i really liked that yeah i'm if anyone out there wants to create this is a side note we've already talked about this before but if anyone out there would like to create good sports bras for the ripley muscles that we all have and if you wanted to call it swole mates i won't say no to that but or if you're (laughs) one of the brands i'm thinking of in my head whose sports bras i like Call us. We'd Call love us. to talk about <laughs> your brand on this podcast. <laughs> we got big lats and we cannot lie. <laughs> so. Yep. Cool. Well, this is a good transition into um, my first thing that I want athletes to understand, which is the difference between high load training and low load training in the context of both strength gains and hypertrophy. And to simplify that even further, this just means how much weight you're lifting for how many reps and how that impacts your ability to build muscle or how much stronger you're getting. Um, in j- so going to define high load and low load really quick for you. So high load is going to mean a heavy weight in generally lower repetitions. Low load is going to mean low weight and higher 
repetition. Makes sense. Makes sense. So something, and I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, um, but this podcast is about me learning too. You wouldn't want me to have the same opinions 20 years from now. It means I'm not learning <laughs> anything. <laughs> so <laughs> something I... I have been digging into the research on this a little bit. And something interesting that I found is that in general, and I will post multiple meta-analyses in the show notes about this because there is a lot of research to back this up. But essentially, it shows that both high-load and low-load type training will result in some hypertrophy, generally speaking, and they're usually pretty comparable. With high-load training, that is is generally going to lead to better strength gains versus low load. And that makes sense, right? If you're training at a high load, that means you're training at a closer, you know, a higher percentage of your one rep max versus low load. So for example, if you were, if you were deadlifting and you're just for ease, if you were deadlifting and your one rep max was a hundred pounds, high load training, you'd probably be doing sets of like 70 or 80 pounds makes sense versus low load training you'd be doing like a lot of reps at 30 pounds right makes sense that high load training is going to make your one rep max higher versus keeping things at this low load i'm going to post i'm going to post a bunch of links to the meta analyses for this and also just as a quick vocabulary reminder meta analysis means an analysis of a lot of studies and so we have a lot of data to back up that all strength training can help you build muscle but high load training is going to make you absolutely stronger. So both are good. Um, for, so I'm going to bring up, I'm also going to bring up another interesting study uh, that I want to share with you because I thought it was pretty cool. So this study had a group of 23 untrained women. Yay, a study with women. Woohoo. Weird. They're there. <laughs> they exist, which is neat. <laughs> Love it. So um, so in a study of 23 untrained women, um, one group trained at, you know, the high load, 80% of their one rep max for a handful of exercises. I won't go into all the details, but handful of exercises. If you really want to know, look in the show notes um, and low load. So 30% of one rep max and over the course of, this was a 12 week program too, which I thought was really nice because you know, that's sufficiently long, like some things that's only like six or 12 weeks, six or eight weeks long. It just doesn't seem long enough. So we got 12 whole weeks of that. Um, and the effect on their body composition. So both groups, uh, so neither group showed significant improved body composition metrics. So like there was some improvement, but there wasn't like a substantial difference between the two groups. However, across the board for all of the exercises, the one rep max was definitely better in all exercises for the higher load group. So, hmm. and I don't know, I didn't, I wasn't able to like dig in to see kind of what was going on with their nutrition. Cause I'm sure there's just a lot to unpack Probably. here. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited to read this study. That seems really interesting. I also really like though, that they talk about it from a holistic body composition point of view. I know, yeah. you know, when we talk about body comp, it's not just muscle and fat. It's yes. also them bones too. So yes. Interesting. Oh so, yes. Yeah. Another call out that Caitlin, Caitlin brings me to is that the low, the low load group um, saw slightly, slightly better increases in bone density. But I thought this was an interesting, interesting. study to highlight just the kind of, comparison of yeah. the two so no matter what strength training you're doing you're probably going to be putting on 
a little bit of muscle. Um, and then I have another, we're going to continue this discussion because <laughs> there's, there's a little more to this than just that. But I thought that was, that was an interesting little, yeah. little thing to bring up. Well, question for you, Lauren, because I know when we have our kitchen talks now <laughs> that you are living here, you had mentioned that your kind of your opinions on hypertrophy sort of changed and shifted just recently with some things that you had found in this research and maybe some other research. So I just was hoping you could elaborate because I wonder, you know, if, if you had thought something in the past and talked about it and how it's sort of evolving now. Yeah. Okay. So I've been rabbit holing a little bit and I think part of this comes from, so what, so what, what people get traditionally taught in, you know, personal trainer certifications and what is usually espoused is that higher repetition, lower intensity training is typically more associated with hypertrophy. And as I, we're going to dig into this more in my second fact, (laughs) (laughs) as I have kind of dug into it, what it seems to me is that it's, yes, the number of repetitions matter, but it's, based on what I've seen, it looks like how close to failure you're getting and how often you go to failure is more, more about what's going to result in generally more hypertrophy. Okay. Okay. So in my experience in doing either like really high weight, low rep versus, you know, lower load, like with lower load, you know, you could be doing anywhere from like 12 to 20 ish reps. Right. So that's kind of that like hypertrophy zone. And I think it's easier at a lower load to be like, all right, I can do one more rep and actually push it to failure versus with high rep. If you're gassed at, you know, rep three and you're like, uh, I still have to pick up 200 pounds off the ground. I don't think rep four is going to happen. Like you're just less likely to go for that last rep and go to failure. So we'll, yeah, get further into that okay after after the break because I have more research and more to say on that but I think that's generally so it still seems in my opinion after reading everything if I was if an athlete came to me and was like I really want to build more muscle I would still probably lean them towards doing higher repetition type exercise and having them go more to failure versus focusing more on higher load but the fact is you can build muscle with both which is interesting so I have more more papers to talk about (laughs) naturally yes great shall we take a break yes let's go ahead and take a break Caitlin I have a cool story to tell you. Oh, yeah? What is it? So this story is old, like Aesop's fables old, but it's pretty cool and involves a big bird we keep seeing around Santa Fe. Is it about a crow? Yeah, it's about a crow. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. So there's this crow, right? And he's been flying around and he's really thirsty and he finds this big pitcher of water. And the thing is, his beak isn't long enough to reach the water. So he tries and tries to knock the pitcher over. But he has bird bones, and he's way too light, and he's having a really hard time knocking it over. So instead, he gets wise. He takes his time, and he starts dropping little rocks into the pitcher to get the water to come to him. 
And eventually, after dropping enough rocks, our crow friend gets to be hydrated. So Caitlin, I have a question for you. What do you think the moral of the story is? If I had to guess, I'd say that a little thoughtfulness and a sustainable approach can go a long way. Bingo. Does this remind you of anything? This does sound a lot like what we teach in our group program, Breakthrough. It sure does. If you haven't heard already, Breakthrough is a 12-week group program combining the benefits of customized training, personalized nutrition coaching, and a massive amount of support and education along the way. No pottery smashing required. If you're ready to holistically improve your climbing, there's no better program than this. Breakthrough will provide you the expertise of two coaches and tons of motivation and accountability to stick with it throughout our 12 weeks together. The next round of Breakthrough starts on February 20th, 2023. You can learn more about Breakthrough by heading to the link in our show notes. All right, and we're back. Caitlin, you have another tidbit another one that you would like climbers to know (laughs) about hypertrophy so yes go ahead and share so i know i already alluded to this a little bit before the break and when we talk about gaining muscle specifically in relation to the surplus of calories that we might need to get those big muscles that we're hoping for (laughs) so Uh, Generally speaking, you will need a surplus of calories. And for, I mean, like we always say, everybody is different. You're all so unique. So it's hard for me to say everyone gets 5% more calories or for some people it might be 20%. But it also depends on where you're starting with your calories. Are you getting enough as your baseline? And then how can we increase it in a way that's productive to support your hypertrophy goals? And I always like to talk about this in the context, too, of overall nutrition, especially for your foundational nutrition. You know, you're getting your basic macros, calories, micronutrients, but also in the context of sports nutrition, too. So we've talked about nutrient timing plenty, and it's important here, you know, what to eat before, during, and after training. And those different time points for food will have their place. But if your overall calories are too low, you might not actually see the gains that you're hoping for. And this might not even be directly related to like, you know, visual muscles, the, you know, some of the muscles we're looking for, but even just your responses to training, if you are not consuming enough calories and maybe that's because of a deficit or lack of awareness or, you know, intentional or unintentional doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is if you are dieting or restricting calories or on some weight loss plan, or if you're just under eating in general for the amount of output out there while trying to gain muscle, bad news. Ooh. Okay. Caitlin, question for you. Mm -hmm. What's a sign that, because I definitely have had, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm like, this athlete should probably work with a nutritionist too. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I wish all of you were also working with Caitlin. So make sure that we're all well fed. But what are some signs like when someone comes to you and 
it feels frustrated that they aren't seeing progress with their training or they felt stagnant. Like mm-hmm. what are some signs that maybe you are under eating, even if your training is like really, you know, spot on top of the line. Yeah. If your training's yeah. like great, but you're still not seeing anything. Like what are some signs that maybe it's time to take a look at your overall caloric intake? Yeah. That's a really great question for me. I typically, ask people how they feel before, during, and after their sessions. Mm. So I'll, you know, say, okay, when you go to the gym, how do you feel? Are you excited to be there? Are you kind of dreading it? Are you really, really lethargic when you go in and feel like you're dragging and you need your pre-workout shot before you go in? I mean, that's a really big indicator that potentially you're not consuming enough. Um, it might also look like you're hitting bonk in the middle of your training Mm -hmm. or, you know, you start thinking, Oh, I wish I wasn't here or I, you know, I want to just leave. Like you lose that motivation halfway through. And then after two, if you feel this sensation of like, God, that was so terrible. That sucked. I, you know, insert negative self-deprecating comment here, but those could be some like pretty immediate signs. But I also try to think about the whole picture too. Like if you're day to day, really tired, mid afternoon, you have to have more coffee to stay awake or perhaps your sleep is not as great as it could be. You know, you struggle to fall asleep and stay asleep combination of the two. And, you know, if you have been, dialing in your training for long enough and you feel that you should see some hypertrophy or at least some changes in terms of how you feel off the wall or on the wall and off the wall, then I would say if, you know, if you're not noticing any of those changes after a considerable amount of time, which I will deflect to you yeah. <laughs> don't worry I already but, have like kind of a time frame and a flow chart in my head so okay, great I'll have you uh tag that but I also yeah I, I feel like after some time if if those things aren't happening and you're a little bit frustrated by it it's probably a good time to review your nutrition because a lot of us think we're doing it right but a lot of us could be doing better that's just the name of the game Yeah. So I would say, so kind of on this note of being in a caloric deficit for way too long and maybe you're doing it on purpose purpose, and maybe to Caitlin's point, you have no idea (laughs) that you're doing it. I would say, so it does take time to get better at rock climbing. And I think some athletes want it to go faster. So a couple caveats, some of you probably want it to go faster than it's going. Listen, I want it to go faster than it's going to. I wish we could all get better. faster than we are but that's not how it works so that sucks sorry but you know there is an element of you need to be patient and you may be missing out on things that are progress without because you're not taking good enough notes or you're just being extremely hard on yourself or you're being unrealistic about how much better you can get in a certain amount of time however If you've been training consistently for three to six months and you're like, I really, I'm measuring stuff, Mm -hmm. I'm doing things, I'm actually sticking to my training program as written and I'm really not seeing a difference, like the numbers are barely moving, whatever, that's probably, could be a good sign that either you really, like something in your nutrition is way off um, Mm -hmm. or off enough that this is happening and you aren't adapting because you don't, your body doesn't have the resources to adapt. 
could also be that you may need some mental game work. <laughs> I would say like that's my flow chart where it's out. like call out where it's like you might have all the skills you need, but you might need some help with the mental game and yeah. focus aspect of it all. So those would be kind of my if the you're big like ones. those would be my two big ones where it's like it, it yeah. might be your training. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe your nutrition's fine. But I would say if that sounds like you mental game or nutrition or both could be where you want yeah. to look like think about your lowest hanging fruit because even if you feel like you are doing you know everything you can if you start to look at all aspects of your your being let's say yeah. as a climber training nutrition sleep and stress those are the big foundational aspects of yeah. your life that deserve a you know a closer look into and yeah you made me actually think of something, Lauren, because when I first started climbing, I I feel like I came into climbing with more muscle because weightlifting was what I did primarily beforehand. Oh, nice. And I loved it. It was great. I, I fell in love with weightlifting. But when I had an injury, I broke my ankle climbing um, because I'm a dumbass and fell off a top out in a really stupid way. So we won't get it into happens. that. It happens. It happens. Um, but I stopped weightlifting heavy after that because I just started hangboarding and I shot up a bunch of grades and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not as muscly and now I'm a monster. So here we go. And the next few years, as I progressed in my climbing, and I say this just linearly progressing, not actually performance wise. Mm -hmm. As that time frame continued, my body weight went down, not in a good way. I was sinewy. That is what I'll say about that. <laughs> my mental game went down, stress went up, sleep was horrible. And I felt like my my ability to put on muscle was really, really stifled. Like, I mean, I couldn't do anything and I felt like I was training so much and there was almost nothing I could do to make that change and then I of course you know started eating more finally and I felt like oh right okay big wake-up call to see you know these these are the low-hanging fruits that even though I felt like I was supporting myself as a long-term climber I actually was hurting I mean we won't get into the discussion of you know the long-term ramifications but especially within my training I wasn't adapting well because I had none nutrients mm. <laughs> to actually yeah. make that happen not just macros but also micros too I was really lacking those critical things so that's just my one yeah. one share about myself and things I've learned along the way too. Oh yeah, for sure. And like like I kind of said before, you know, my main focus for athletes is I want you getting stronger, doing enough and eating enough to support that and you will likely put on some kind of muscle as yep. a side effect of that and it's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um I guess another I, I would need I need to pull up these numbers cuz it'd be really interesting, but like I know as I've gotten better at climbing and gone on more years of climbing and training, like I've definitely increased my muscle mass and my overall body mm -hmm. weight, like almost year over year probably. Um, and in some ways my fin my finger strength, like absolute numbers have gone down from a strength to weight ratio perspective because of that. But it hasn't mm. really been a bad thing for my climbing. Like for, yeah, yeah. Like, so on my, 
project in Lander last summer. So I've worked on it two summers now. Um, I got way closer to doing it this year. Truly think if I could have stayed like one or two more weeks longer, would have gone down. But alas, way she goes. Got away. Not bitter. <laughs> but year. I will say I looked at my finger strength. So I did. It was interesting because I was like, well, I got time. I'll do like a finger strength test like after, you know. So I've I have like how well I did on the project finger strength test post working on it for two years in a row and year one my finger strength test after working on it was substantially better I want to say it was like uh, I don't know I think there was like a 10 or 15 pound difference but I did so much better on the climb which is a super fingery short bouldery rock climb like finger strength 100% matters these holds are tiny and heinous um and I had like lower finger strength and probably a higher body weight and I did way better on the climb because I'm strong and also a better rock climber lots of factors going into it there but I don't think like I didn't I don't like to fuck with weighing myself too much but I can see from pictures that I just have more have more mass um but well I think it's interesting it is to point out (laughs) yeah can I have a question for you because I feel like Maybe this is a dumb question, but when we talk about measuring finger strength and that progression, you know, with like the assessment that sure. you do, yeah, is weight something that goes into that or yeah? To, so um, with the, I'll try oh, if I can remember to post it. You, you just look up Power Company database if you look for mm-hmm. their data and assessments like section of the Power Company website. They have it, but in order to normalize the data set based on you kind of do want to look at your strength to weight ratio like yes it is good obviously for yourself personally you can be like the total amount based on my body weight plus what I was hanging like Mm. probably the total weight my fingers can hang is like about the same or better but the strength to weight ratio based on what my body weight is is different so those are two different ways to look at it too but in order to like normalize the data set so that we can all look at a graph that's you have to compare the climber's yeah weight. like it has to be done in strength to weight ratio just because we can't okay. just do it for to normalize yeah, yeah because yeah just and also for all of you non-math people there because there's a difference between an 120 pound person hanging 50 pounds versus mm-hmm. an 180 pound person hanging 50 pounds sure so we can't do it by amount of weight you add we have to do it by the amount of weight and your body weight as a ratio so but yeah. that's a good question yeah I feel like I've <laughs> I largely sort of just like ignored that factor. I think <laughs> if it's triggering, it's fine. Like you want to see, str- yeah. I think it's like, it's good information, but again, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like I wish we could measure our strength without that weight ratio sort of in the realm, or I wish actually we could use it just as a data point. Yeah. I think if like, you're in a mental place where you can just use yeah. it as a data mm-hmm. point, just use, just use it as a data yeah, point. Like it's, it's all it is. Data is data. That's it. But it is, I think... Actually, I want to share a little <laughs> tidbit that I learned in Waco. And I, the last time I got on any of the climbs that you and I projected together, I was 15 pounds lighter. Oh. So. Interesting. I, and you think you did about the same or better on all of them? I did way better. So. Oh, shit. I felt oh, shit. stronger. I felt like my technique was, of course, better. It's just that's what time does when you keep climbing. But I also felt so strong. Like I was locking things off that I couldn't do. The stopper moves no longer were the stopper moves. And I feel like that, yeah, that was a huge revelation from this trip being like, huh, 
yeah weird how that works but you need muscle to pull muscle that, yeah you know pull weight really precisely that's how it goes and i also think another thing i kind of want to bring up as we're talking about this too is that you know i've read in some climbing books or i've heard like some sentiments that are like oh we don't want to put on weight uh because you know we don't we don't want to put on muscle weight or you know weight in our legs or whatever because you know then it'll be harder to get up the wall Boo. and okay i found that oftentimes these perspectives were typically written by men and i don't want to put words in anyone's mouth but i am thinking that perhaps they weren't considering that women i i just feel like in general women come prepackaged with like less upper body muscles so when you're like oh yeah yeah, don't put on muscle and i'm like hey ladies we could probably use some more upper body muscles for sure like that's yeah that's primarily where i see and i always just kind of thought that was stupid because i'm like uh i think a lot of women could definitely stand to put on some muscle in their upper body and not be afraid of it or in their lower body too but like and not be afraid of it at all um and i also think everyone's body's different like we said like some people are going to put on muscle easier than others Mm -hmm. some people like every we're just sharing this because i think it's an important narrative that's a little bit different that needs to be shared um but everyone's body's different and kind of like caitlin talks about all the time like everyone's body's gonna have like their happy place where it's good and you can climb your best and be energized and it's all about playing with that and figuring out where that is for you in terms of how much muscle mass you have etc so yeah figure it out use this information (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's why we're talking at you we're talking about it so you can have a big brain and not just go la 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 i'm i don't want muscles yeah there's a lot of junk out on the interweb so just yeah it's not to say that we are exclusively right but there's i think there's some nuance to be had and i think that there's a lot of one-sided opinions out there and we try to dispel the information in as much neutrality as we can while also encouraging you to make decisions based on what works for you but also what the science says so for sure speaking of science this (laughs) harkens back to (laughs) what you were asking about earlier yes um so i want to talk about low load so there's okay so in 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 strength training you can train to failure or not to failure in your sets um and i will give my opinion about what i have athletes do and what i generally prefer at the end of this but when it comes to building muscle i'll have some studies for you in the show notes but essentially um these studies looked at low load training where people went to failure which basically means you go so hard that you cannot do any more reps at a low load so that would look like doing you know lightweight for like a shit ton of reps until you can't do them anymore um and then low load where people didn't go to failure. Um, so, you know, got pretty close to failure, but stopped before they were totally gassed and couldn't do another rep. And in these studies, it did show that going all the way to failure elicited more hypertrophy versus not. Now, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> that being said, I would say in climbing, our primary goal is well before i get into this before i get into the lauren gives her opinion on this section of our talk (laughs) caitlin do you have any questions about that uh well no i'm actually really curious to hear your opinion on this because i feel like i've been jostled around my whole life where it's like low load no high load low load no high load and it's like 
I'm like, okay, well, so what is it? Because I feel like I, for me, I feel better leaving a workout having done more reps. Like if I do two to three, (laughs) hi, it's me. Um, But I just, I feel like that's always been something that I look forward to. Whereas if I leave a session having done only like two to three reps I'm like uh did I do anything and maybe that just stems from me like not really believing I'm getting the same like workout volume yeah there's like a connection there but I I actually would be really curious to hear your opinions and that maybe that'll help me reframe my fixed mindset here well okay First of all, I'm glad you brought that up because you're definitely not alone. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say because you're wrong. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to direct everyone back. So go look at our snack break that's titled "Demystifying Sets and Reps" because I explain like different set and rep schemes, and you should go listen to that as a reference to this. But I'm not going to re-explain all of it here. Nope. But <laughs> so okay, the thing is for rock climbing. And the way we strength train for rock climbing, generally speaking, I want athletes to develop high levels of strength and power. And remember, back to our point before the break, high load training is going to get you to higher strength um, and thereby power, generally speaking. So... But that being said, I'm not against low rep training. And for an athlete who's learning an exercise or for an athlete who, you know, hasn't lifted that much at all. And I'm just like, I just want you to get good at the motion of squatting. We're going to do more reps for you. But I still like probably I I don't think I've ever programmed 20 reps of anything. If you're an athlete where I've programmed a 20 rep set for you, send me an email. I don't think I don't think I've ever (laughs) done it. I might have done Yeah. So for most of my athletes, like if we're going in the higher rep realm, we'll do like eight to 12 reps, but we usually don't go more, you know, like two or three sets of eight to 12 reps would be like my like high rep situation. But for athletes that have some training already, like we're probably high volume would be like sets of, you know, reps of six to eight. Look at me talking about the reps. Like when I said, go listen to the thing. Mm -hmm. But so Usually for my, for climbing athletes, because our goal is I want you to one, I, you know, we only have so many hours to train in the week. So I'd rather you have an overall shorter strength workout so we can spend more training hours climbing and not doing eight exercises with like three sets of 15 to 20 reps. Oh, Jesus. Just because yeah. that's a shit ton. Time so <laughs> I want you to get stronger. And I would generally, you know, we might start out with having you programmed on something that's a little bit higher rep. But then as we go on in our programming, I'm going to be getting you closer to your one rep max in your programming. So with more like sets of like two to five reps ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but again, this can, because you're still close to your, you know, you're close to that going to failure, you're close to your one rep max eventually with this high load type of training you're still building muscle but you're also building that high level strength essentially I just don't want climbers in the gym for forever Um, and I'd rather focus on building high levels of strength because you're gonna get worked like Caitlin wants to get worked during your endurance workout so that's and I would also say I think I talk about this a lot in our strength training episode that we did in episode 25 too so go back and listen to that as well Mm -hmm. but 
generally speak okay the other thing about going to failure so now i'll give you my opinion the thing about going to failure is it's really hard on your body like that yeah. last 10 or 20 percent is probably what's going to make you feel really sore and really shitty and i think generally it's kind of not worth it like for for most of my athletes in most of our training blocks i am not having you go to failure going to failure and going that level of intensity is usually the icing on the cake um i also think in general, the going to failure is usually where we're so fatigued that, you know, the quality of our reps drops off. Maybe we like make a mistake and hurt ourselves. Not that improper form is going to kill you, but you know, there are some times where if you really let it all go, shit can go wrong. Right. So I think going to failure is just typically overly exhausting and not necessarily what we want to be doing. If we want to, you know, get in the weight room, get stronger, get out and be able to recover enough so we can get back to rock climbing. Like I just don't think going to failure makes sense all the time for most athletes. So you're saying if (laughs) it should be hard, but not so hard that you like puke at the end of every set. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, big no um well (laughs) funny enough uh I've I have struggled historically with power so would you say that by me doing or preferentially choosing higher reps is maybe bad yes bad news okay well that's fun power Um, for power you want to be doing you want to be go- it kind of also that kind of depends too but if you want to develop power so power as a quick reminder is strength but fast <laughs> so it's that's the very yeah. strength with the time component so doing something maximally difficult as quickly as possible so with power training you want to go usually a little bit lighter so you kind of want to think like light and fast and explosive with power training and that usually Um, with some exercises means you're not doing that many reps either. So a lot of power exercises, it'll be like three to six fast explosive reps of something Mm -hmm. where you're going to go hard and fast and then be done. Yeah. And you got to pack it in before you start getting into the like overly fatigued zone because then you're no longer training power. Okay. Well, follow up question then. (laughs) Um, This is actually not related to me personally, but... Um, I've worked with a few athletes in the past who have had, I mean, their training sessions have been like anywhere from two to four hours in length and like five to six days a week. I already know uh, by the look on your face is just panic, but also I think like a lot of us hearing that are probably like, oh no, but why is that something that's still being like put out there then like the I will also say this with more information this was programmed from other athletes who have done very well historically in the climbing space and that is what they've programmed for people so this is like just a question I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts about I don't know if there's like a right or wrong but I am disturbed when I hear <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I think this is a good question so I think some athletes you know um perhaps whoever is you know programming these training programs that have such high volume and such long sessions 
they're probably coming from the background of a professional athlete where getting better at climbing is your job. So, and they've also likely been doing this for so many years that their bodies can handle this amount of training volume. However, for most adults that start rock climbing, uh, when they're adults, this is a little bit likely a little bit much and also i think you have a job so i don't know when the hell you're doing all of that yeah, yeah i don't know how that's like working with your schedule it's honestly <laughs> it's not working um so uh, while i'm not gonna totally talk shit on like doing long climbing sessions because i think they're super valuable and for yeah. some athletes like having a really you know i have like a couple athletes where they're like yep this my life schedule is i can climb two days a week and i'm like okay we're going to do two mega sessions because that's yeah. how, so I'm not saying that you can't have like longer sessions where, you know, it just really depends on the athlete and it's also needs to be dosed to what you can handle. And I also think there's some value in going really hard and getting worked in your climbing sessions. Like, you know, you can't do this, do that all the time because you might get wrecked, but you know, there's a time and a place for going really hard and doing a lot of volume. Generally speaking, the time is not all the time, all year round to be doing that. Um, So I guess that's my my piece on that. But for most of my athletes, three to four days a week, one to two hour sessions is usually plenty. (laughs) And that's for me, I think that's plenty too. So absolutely. Yeah, we have, I mean, we're trying to juggle lots of things, maybe family, maybe you know, you have a partner who doesn't climb like a psycho, like we all do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is the average climber podcast. Not the, all I do is rock climb and I get paid <laughs> to rock climb really fucking well podcast. Yeah. So. Very not that. <laughs> but also I just feel like, you know, there are a lot of things that are pulling us away from, you know, the, the things that we like to do, but also it's like, you have to find time to eat and sleep and, work or yeah, whatever there are some people i'm like i'd actually rather you not do that extra am session and like sleep yeah. for another hour yeah so yeah. <laughs> like i'd rather you get an extra hour to sleep if you're only sleeping five hours to do like two a days in the gym right like, maybe don't do that and sleep enough to recover from the training you're doing truth bomb you heard that we're not going to drop our mics, but that's but, yeah, what we're saying. And I'd have to edit the sound out. It'd be annoying. But yep, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, well, that was this was a lovely discussion. I think we we got our four things out and then some and then some, <laughs> and then <laughs> some. extra sprinkles, extra <laughs> sprinkles. Cool, cool. Well, Caitlin, should we tell anybody any reminders? Well, just remember breakthrough is coming breakthrough. up very soon. Yep registration and opens on the 27th and you're gonna save four hundred dollars yep. so if you register then. precisely so early bird registration opens on january 27th we're doing four hundred dollars off which is tight mm-hmm. and early bird registration does not last forever also spots in this program are very limited because we like to keep it as a tight knit group so if you're serious about breakthrough get your applications in as early as as possible also to just just reality check there's thousands of you listening to this thousands yeah so so beat beat, beat y'all's in beat line. everyone else to the line and get your <laughs> application in so yeah we're we're excited um also protein pals is well underway which is really fun we have over 70 people signed up for protein pals which is extremely fun um, we've been tracking our fun. protein and having a blast so that's rad. Um, yeah, and I think that's all of our announcements. Don't forget to leave 
leave a review. Rate us and review. It helps us. The SEO also, gods. it helps the internet gods know we're there. It helps the podcast people give more people this podcast. Yep. I think I that's think how so. that works. Um, that's what I'm told. Yes. And also, we're seeing more of you join our Patreon, which is so nice. We really appreciate it. So if you would like to support us on Patreon so we can keep doing stuff, we did just have to buy a lot of new mics and equipment so we can sound better and record in person and not in closets in the same house (laughs) so we really appreciate your support on patreon so that we can do be professionals yes real professionals so awesome well i think we will wrap it up there and until next time keep Keep it average average. we're in the same room so we can do it well now yes (laughs) no internet (laughs) (laughs) lauren here we hope you feel excited to continue getting stronger now i'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits Breakthrough Group Coaching is coming back for round four. Our signature group program combines custom training, personalized nutrition coaching, education, and group motivation. It's a one-stop shop for holistically improving your climbing and having a lot of fun along the way. Early bird registration opens on Friday, January 27th. You can learn more and apply at the link in our show notes. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast. You can also find Caitlin on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and me on my Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. Editing for this podcast episode was done by me, Lauren Abernathy. The music for this episode was created and produced by Devin Dabney. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to plugtoneaudio.com to learn more about the other shows on the network.